0: Welcome to Positively Dad. Thanks for joining us. My name is James Shaw. I'm your host. I'm a dad. My wife, Terry, and I have a almost eight-year-old, a second grader. Her name is Naomi. We love being her parents. And I started this podcast early in uh, 2019, back in March of 2019, just to be a resource for dads so that, you know, we can have conversations together. We could learn and grow together. And we do two episodes every single week. We do a, uh, on Mondays, I talk to an expert about something that kind of helps us grow to become better people, parents, and partners. And then on Thursdays, I do what we call a dad talk episode. And that's where I talk to a dad about being a dad. And that's what you're listening to today, one of those dad talk episodes. I'm excited about today's episode because we're going to talk to a dad that I've been listening to for quite some time because I have an eight year old and uh, maybe you've heard as well. His name's Kenny Curtis, and he happens to be on in the afternoons on Sirius XM's Kids Place Live. And it's a fun station, plays lots of fun kid music, very friendly when you're out and about in the car and maybe you're listening. And And one morning, Naomi and I were on the way to school. We were listening to Absolutely Mindy in the morning like we do just about every day. And they were talking about uh, big families and fostering and adopting and all this stuff. And Mindy mentioned that uh, Kenny Curtis, the afternoon guy, has, has five kids. And then they had been fostering kids and they ended up adopting two Of those kids that they fostered. And I thought, that's a story right there. I mean, talk about a big family, and maybe we could get some perspective from Kenny. So I reached out to him. He said he'd be happy to be on the show, and that's what we're going to talk about today. He and his wife and their journey of their five kids, along with fostering 12 and now adopting two more. It's an amazing story. You're going to learn some great stuff. So let's jump in and talk with him. Kenny, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. We're excited to have you. And of course, you know, people might go, oh, I know that voice. Maybe they hear young <laughs> Kids Place Live or or on the podcast you do for National Geographic Kids. And uh-huh. yet I wanted to have you on to talk about your family, because you've got an, a really interesting story. Tell us a little bit about your family. We have
1: a tribe. We have a tribe. Uh, well, it, really, it all goes back to to my wife and I and and the fact that we, we really enjoy being parents and just being around kids, it's kind of become, I hate to start speaking French, but our raison d'etre. Because I, I just think it's one of these things that, you know, you find out what you're good at eventually in life. And uh, we discover we were good with babies, particularly my wife, who is an amazing human being. I think to really give it context, we have to go back to 1992, when my second son, my second oldest son was born. Uh, his name is Morgan, and he, he was diagnosed uh, with autism before everybody knew what autism was. I mean, back in the early 90s, we knew the movie Rain Man, and that's about all we knew of autism. Mm-hmm. Literally, when we found out he was autistic, people kept, a- kept asking us if he was good at numbers and stuff. Yeah, and, and, and it's not like that at all. He, he's a delightful kid, uh, delightful person, I should say. But he's, you know, he's, he's autistic with the capital A. He, he doesn't talk much. And, uh, you know, he goes to a day program and lives at home with us, but he's not self injurious or anything, but all of this essentially launched, uh, my wife and I specifically my wife, Kim on a journey to really, uh, discover, you know, how to handle a disability and how to work a family around someone with such a profound disability. And uh, so my wife stopped working uh, and at that point became the president of the local autism society, the local chapter of the Autism Society of America, and really threw herself into it. We did an an intensive in-home behavior modification therapy program that is essentially what is now currently taught in schools and done in schools with a lot of kids uh, that have the diagnosis that is at Morgan's level, but back then was not. We had to negotiate with our school system. We had to do 40 hours a week in home with, you know, a therapist that were friends and that we paid out of our own pocket. It was crazy. And yeah. my wife organized all of this. And once things really worked out for Morgan and, and we got him on a path where we were comfortable with him, I think Kim was sort of at a what's next point. And it was literally something as simple as we moved into a house that had an extra bedroom. And Kim had been wanting to explore foster parenting for a long time. We talked about it. And she's so great with babies. So we said, you know what, let's, let's, let's look into it. And that was in about 2004, and four five. Started in four, but the process takes a while. If, you, if you're a foster parent or an adoptive parent, you know there's a lot of paperwork, a lot of training you go through. That set us on a path to uh, potentially adopt, but we were, we were starting as a, in the Foster to Adopt program, and we wound up with um, about a dozen foster children, uh, and then we adopted the last two. And, and cu- we're currently taking a break because now we have grandkids too, so it's a little nuts around here.
0: That's just, I mean, it's wild. So you and your wife had five kids of your own. Mm-hmm. Then you fostered 12 throughout the years. You have adopted two so seven kids. And how many grandkids do you have? Currently three. Wow. Well, congratulations. So, Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's just, it's got to be, it's probably been just a wild couple of decades. It it, Well, it really
1: has. I mean, children, kids are the most wonderful. it's, It's one of the great gifts of my life to have backed into children's programming when I did. Because kids are the best audience in the world. They're completely honest with you. They're totally genuine. They will literally say, you know, uh, we used to do this thing. I, I used to do a local kids' radio show in Washington, DC back in the 90s. And uh, we had a live audience. And I would ask the kids if there was any questions. And, and every once in a while, somebody would raise a hand and say something like, yeah, can we do something that isn't boring? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're totally honest with you. They're like, you yeah. know, but at the same time, so a kid will come to you and say, you're the funniest person I've ever heard in my entire life. And you know that in that child's six years, you are the funniest. At that moment, it's totally genuine. Yeah. They, they mean it 100%. And that's yeah. one of the great things about that audience. But also, it's great to reach kids with parents intact because it's great to remind all of us as parents that, that connecting as a family can be a thing. And in, in a world where we're all looking down so often at our phones, and I include myself in that category, unfortunately, when we all look down so often, it's nice to
0: find a way to look around and to be together. Well, how were you purposeful about that then? If, if you've, you're raising five kids, one yeah. autistic, you've got yeah. kids coming in and out as you know, you're going through the foster stuff. And how, how were you able to really connect as a
1: family? You know, my kids, we have, we have twins. So we have, you know, my oldest is 30, is going to be 30. She's, she'll be mad at me for aging her. And she has two of the kids. And then I have our son, Morgan. And then we have my son, Andrew, who is 22. And then we have twins, Devin and Molly, who just turned 21. And those are our five biologicals. And then, you know, our adopted children, Malia is uh, 10 and Sean is eight. And the biological kids will tell you that it's dinner time. But that was the thing that, that made everything. We always had dinner together. We always sat around at the same time together. And it's, and it's only because of the gift of my wife being willing to be a stay-at-home mom. If, you're, if you have a stay-at-home parent in your family, you have no idea what a gift that is, a gift that you give your children, your spouse it is even financially, I mean, today we had a snow day here, and they and my daughter was telling me on the phone well how do, how do how do families do it when two parents work like you know how do you do this you know, and the cost of daycare? so I think the opportunities to be together are great, and I'm not just saying that everybody has to be a stay at home parent. that is not feasible at all, but my kids, the twins really believe that the fact that we had dinner together was always a thing that their friends didn't always do. You know, they're, they're, they're the quintessential millennials, I guess, or actually my oldest is the quintessential millennial. And she says the same thing. A lot of people just didn't do that. They just didn't eat together. A lot of times it wasn't feasible, but we were able to do that. I would say even with, you know, lacrosse and soccer practice and, you know, uh, basketball and all that stuff and plays, we were able to do it probably four nights a week.
0: Yeah. So I I find it so interesting because it's perfect to say, Hey, let's have somebody stay at home and, and do that if we can. And then that puts, you know, we've got to make sure that financially we're running things the right way.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't, it's not realistic. It just isn't realistic. We, we got very, very lucky. You know, I am a living testament to it's better to be lucky than good. And it, it, it just, it just happened that way that we could do it. But I think there are choices that we don't realize we are making. And actually, I shouldn't say we. I'm going to say this from my experience specifically. There are choices that I don't realize I'm making when it comes to, oh, I'm just going to pick up this phone or, oh, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. It's something I don't really care that much about. And at that same time, i got to be doing something with the people in the house with me right now. And as a family, we're very lucky that we, I'm lucky that my kids actually like me and or seem to anyway, they put up with me and, and don't mind hanging out and hanging around with us. But I think that the ability to create an, in, an infrastructure, as it were, starts with the willingness to connect. And I think that ability to connect is most important or is most realized when you take a second to realize that sometimes you are choosing not to connect. And I speaks very specifically to me and I'm really talking about like looking at my phone because I am, I have to put my work and my phone and, you know, Twitter away. You know, (laughs) I have to put it away from, me,
0: and if I don't, I'm going to look at it all the time. Yeah. We did an episode on that with Anya Kemenin from NPR and she Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, mom and dad, you got to put it down. She said, you're a less effective parent with your phone in your hand and screens are here. We got to learn how to use them. And yet you're exactly right. So now let's talk about this. Because uh, here I'm doing math, I'm looking at it 30, 22, and 21 year old twins, then a 10 year old. Correct. Uh, how old was the 10 year old when you adopted? From birth. We adopted, okay, right. we
1: adopted Malia in October of uh, 2008 and Sean in November of 2012. So we okay, have, got it. but we've had them both. We, all of the foster kids that we adopted were babies, were infants. Were babies. My wife is, is a baby whisperer, and all of them, except Sean, all of the babies we fostered were born addicted. Uh, we wow. were willing to take addicted infants. And some of them, some of them we only had for a weekend. I mean, I say we, have, we fostered 12 kids, but really some of them we had for a weekend while they were getting placed. We were willing to do that. And it, it's an amazing experience, but so hard. Uh, the, the, one of the hardest things I've ever had to do was we had, the first foster child we had, we had for a full year, his first full year of life. And then we had to put him in the car and send him back to his mother who had been in a halfway house. The beautiful thing is that the mother has been clean since then and, and the father, and uh, she stays in touch. We're Facebook friends, and uh, that young man is now 13 years old and has two as a younger sister and a younger brother, and it gives us the perspective of seeing how we could help a whole family and not just get another kid for hours.
0: I mean, that, I, I, I'm speechless almost. I feel like you and your wife have been saving these kids. I, no, you know, I thank you. But
1: look, if I was good at building houses, I might work for ha- Habitat for Humanity. That's what I mean when I went back to you sort of play to your strong suits. You do what you're good at. And I, I, I found something that we were good at. We're good with kids. And I, I think the ability to make a difference in that way by doing what you enjoy and what you're good at, that's, you know, that old thing you, you see it on social media all the time, that Venn diagram of, you know, what you love, what you're good mm-hmm. at, what makes you money, that whole thing. Yep. Aside from the makes your money part, this was this was as close as we were going to get to that sweet spot, right? And uh, and it's a it's been a beautiful thing. I think it really is important for our our kids, our family. I mean, my daughter Malia asked me we were just talking the other day. She's like, "Are we going to be foster family again? Are we going to have any more you know foster babies?" And and you know we we've put it on a hold uh, right now because um, well, we had decided to take a break from it when after we had adopted Malia, but we're still in the system for an emergency placement and sean was literally an emergency call for us they didn't the hospital was it was literally like a no room at the inn situation he was in a a a cart in the hospital because he actually didn't have any anything medically wrong with him they just didn't have any room in the NICU at the time Mm. so uh Kim started going and visiting him and we took him home right away and uh you know we he has a great relationship with his birth mom as do we and uh we were able to adopt him and bring him in the family. So that was, we were very lucky there. Yeah, it's a great story. It's a great story.
0: It is. I'm curious about an 11. So you have an 11 year difference between Malia and your twins and you talk about how you're connecting and all that kind of stuff. What have you noticed different now that you've got a 10 year old and an eight year old in your house now that your other five children are, you know, gone outside of Morgan, who's still with you? What have you noticed Mm -hmm. differently about how you connect and how you spend time together? I think, you know, it, it, there is the, it takes a village you know, to raise a child
1: that's saying, you know, for us, it, it really only takes a village if you have a village, <laughs> you know, and we have a village, we have a small town, actually, we have a basketball team. So that's the, the great thing is that we always, somebody's always here if you need somebody, if you need a babysitter, if you need somebody to, and, they're, and my youngest two have a large group of people to look up to. You know, I just, you know, had hip surgery. My son wants to, is, is playing basketball on a rec basketball team. Well, my son, my older son, his older brother came out, came over yesterday and shot hoops with him. I can't do it. Right. You know what I mean? But yep. he can you know? And it's, it's, it's that whole story about, you know, the sun and the moon where you're still getting the sunlight even if it's dark because you're getting it from the moon. Light bounces, love is the same way, you know? And I think we were able to have a family that can sort of express that. As far as what's actually different logistically Man, almost everything. I mean, social media has changed so much. I know for a fact that if Fortnite had existed when my oldest son, Andrew, or my son, not my oldest son, but when my son, Andrew, who is 22, when he was a little kid, he would never have left the television. I mean, because he's <laughs> a video game fanatic. And he now has a, a baby daughter and hasn't gotten into it because he doesn't have the time. But it's one of these things where you just, it's, it's eye-popping to me, the amount of media that we get exposed to, uh, that we're not even aware. I know I keep coming back to this and I really didn't plan on that, but that's, I I think that's one of the biggest differences. Also, the amount of opportunities that our kids have for things to do. I mean, even certainly from the difference between my oldest, you know, who was, you know, uh, born in 1990 and these littles right now, it's, it's tremendous. They just, they have so many more resources you go to class and there's the digital chalkboards, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, the interactivity that you can have. It's, it's really amazing. So not all of it is bad, but it's just so completely different. It's a new age. Yeah,
0: it is. That's what we got to teach our kids. i have an almost eight-year-old. So, you know, we, we see it too. And it's just, um, yeah, it's totally different. It's totally different. I'm curious what advice you'd give to dads who are thinking, okay, maybe foster is something we should look at. Go to the training with an open mind
1: because i if you if the training if you're interested you should learn something about it but you got to go to a session and talk to somebody cuz they're not going to sugarcoat it at least not in my not in my neighborhood they didn't sugarcoat it they will tell you honestly they will give you pretty much the worst case scenario and if you're up for it and you think you can do it it's great i mean there's little things like you got to make sure you have fire extinguishers and, you know, locks on the cabinets and, you know, things like that. And, you know, um, smoke detector. I mean, you got to smoke detectors anyway, but things like that. Uh, There's the logistics, but there's obviously the most, the biggest priority is to make sure that you as a family, not just parents, but as a family are willing to bring in another child. We stuck with infants because there was a need for people to take drug addicted infants and we were good with babies and it also, honestly, is easier. If you can put up with a crying baby, that takes that's easier to me than, a, than dealing with a you know, um, an eight or a nine-year-old that might have some history of abuse that DSS doesn't know about at that point. Mm-hmm. because when a child is coming into foster care, uh, sometimes the foster care system doesn't know what their history is. And so you really don't know what you're going to get in that respect. When you get a baby. And they're born addicted. You know what you're going to get. They're going to cry a lot. It's going to be tough, but you know what you're going to get. And so for us, it made a little bit more sense. Uh, but I think to for parents who want to learn more, learn more, but actually don't make up your... I go there to explore, to 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 actually get more information before you say, hey, we really want to do this. Because you may want to do it now, and then when you learn what the options are, you may not. There are adoption organizations that are private, by the way, not just, we went through our, you know, we, I live outside of Baltimore in between Baltimore and Washington. I live on the edge of Baltimore County. So we work through the Baltimore County Department of Social Services, but you don't have to do that. There are other placement agencies that you can do and you can work to foster through there, but I think it's all very similar. I would imagine the training is all very similar and the information sessions are all very similar and most of them have those. They'll have an open house or something like that where
0: you can learn more. Obviously, you and Kim had to be on the same page during all this time as well. What did that look like for the two of you? Uh, It was us, but it was also the kids.
1: You know, at this point, our children were old enough to know what we were getting us into. And I think that was the biggest hurdle because I don't think the kids, until we started doing it, I don't think they fully understood what we were doing or why. And I think it was our second foster kid. The first one, obviously, I had mentioned that we had to put back in the car. I had to take the day off of work because Kim, was just not able to do that. We had to put him back in the car, put him in the car seat with the, uh, with the social worker and and say goodbye. That was tough. Yeah. But um, to the credit of the social services people, it was probably a week later where they got us another placement because we weren't sure we were going to go through with it. We didn't know what we wanted to do. We were kind of devastated. My son was really upset because he had really enjoyed being a big brother to this baby. And he's a very even-keeled kid. It was not like him to get that upset. But the next child we fostered, we all knew we weren't going to keep. It was a domestic violence situation. The mother couldn't live; she had to leave town because they, because there was a a concern about the father. It was a, she, the baby had shaken baby syndrome. Yeah. So we had her, but knew it, knowing all the time that we were going to reunite. And I think that's when it kind of opened our our family, the kids' minds. They actually got to see this woman crying when she got to hold her baby and she, how much she wanted her baby back and how sad she was that she couldn't be around her baby because she, you know, she had to stay away uh, from the, it was a it was sort of a dangerous situation. So it was, um, I think that really helped our kids understand that we weren't just in it for a baby, that we were in it for helping other people with, and other families. And, and if it, you know, came that we were able to adopt a baby, yeah, that would be great. And we figured if we hung in there long enough, we would be willing to, you know, bring another life into our family.
0: Yeah. And uh, turns out it was twice. Wow. It's, it's just amazing. And clearly everybody's on the same page. And and so I think you, gosh, as now you're a grandfather and you've, you've got, uh, you know, 600 children. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, and and then for what you do daily to interact with kids and, and what you're doing through the podcast and on Kids Place Live and all that jazz. I mean, I feel like you've learned a lot about how to really connect and relate to kids as a family. What do our dads need to know?
1: You know, I think, be honest, be who you are. I would love to have that kind of welcoming and warm quality that mr rogers warm quality that he had because that's just the way the man was i was lucky enough to meet fred rogers and yeah the guy talks like that just like they say in the movie the tom hanks movie that's literally the way the guy actually is Uh, and i've known that for for decades and was fortunate enough to realize that you have to be who you truly are but to be honest with your kids and others because kids have very, very accurate BS meters. They don't know what they're smelling, but they know something smells off if you're not genuine to them. And I really believe that the more you can be open and honest, you know, to yourself, and th- that'll help you be open and honest to them. So don't tr- just don't try to be something you're not. Uh, although occasionally the stupid joke, that always goes a long way with kids. Um, right. Or at least with my kids. <laughs> or voices, they happen.
0: love voices, little ones.
1: Sure, exactly. I've been mean, fooling around, having a great time being, but but you know, again, if that's not who you are and you try to force it, it's just going to seem weird. You know what I mean? It's just just be who you truly are and 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 you know, feel what you actually feel at the moment and and I think the kids will respond to that appropriately. And I've been lucky enough to be in a job where you know, we talk and interact live with kids regularly. And it's a beautiful thing because I think you know, in in a day and age when kids are looking at screens and tablets all the time, they have an opportunity to relate to the media and to remember that there's people behind the media, That there's human beings that they know that they can trust or, you know, even just knowing that there's a person making decisions that put that the button pushing helps or that that making decisions that make the button pushing happen, I should say. And I think that matters. I think it's important. So I, I think for any parent that's out there that is, you know, hoping to imp- increase their communication level or skill with their kids. Practice, practice, practice. Just don't stop. Give Just don't stop trying. Don't give up.
0: Is there anything that you and Kim are real purposeful about when it comes to, you know, staying connected and engaged with them? Or is it just naturally, you're just good at that? I think we try. I mean, Kim, we, we do a lot of, you know, we did a
1: lot of research with, with the the infants and the babies, but with our, children and with our kids now, as they get older, I think the important thing is to spend time having a conversation with them regularly to actually talk. I mean, there is constant talking in my house. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like at least there's at least two conversations happening, even when there's just us. My daughter, Malia, is just naturally reticent. She's just a very quiet kid. And nobody else in the family can relate to that. We're like, what's Hmm. going on (laughs) with her? you know, Mm -hmm. and she's, Mm -hmm. but she doesn't miss a trick. She listens, but you know, we're all cut from the think while you're talking cloth, as opposed to listen first and then speak. So it's kind of different, but I, I think just engaging, just engaging and being around everybody is, is, I think it's a
0: practice that has become a habit for us. What's the, I guess, as we wrap up kind of the, the one thing you want these dads to know I think the most important thing for being a dad is that there isn't.
1: Don't be defined by anything. Just be who you are. Just be there. My father told me before he passed away, he told me that, you know, he said, one of the things that you've learned very early on that I didn't learn, although I I would disagree, was that he's like 90% of being a dad is is showing up. Just be there. And I guess back in my father's day, a lot of that was very true, Mm -hmm. but if you take what, depending upon what you mean by, by showing up and being there, if you take that to the next level, it's very, very true. Just be present, be there when you are around your kids, especially be there. Uh, because we, we take the, at least I do take the hunter gatherer. I got to provide for the family thing very seriously. And you know, you got things going, you got work, you got business, you got whatever you have. Um, but your kids aren't going to be kids for long. And I know that's a cliche and everybody says it, but your kids need you to be there right now for whatever moment they're in, they need you to acknowledge that. And, and I think it's different for dads than moms because moms are assumed they will be there. You know, kids go to moms, but for your dad to be there, it's like he chose to be with you. And that makes a huge difference for a kid. Mm -hmm. Well, that's good advice. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you. I have a show on Kids Place Live on Sirius XM, the Kids Channel, Channel 78. It's weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 p.m. East Coast time with an encore play from 8 to 10. You can reach me on Twitter, uh, at Kenny Curtis Talk. And I have a podcast with National Geographic Kids currently called Greeking Out, which is a uh, kid-friendly retelling of
0: Greek myths. And you can check me out there as well. Awesome. Well, we do listen, so we'll be listening. And I appreciate you taking time to join us today, Kenny. Thanks so much. James, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for uh, uh, letting me ramble. It's been fun. Hey, those were the best podcasts. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem, my friend. Great stuff from Kenny. If you think about it, just lo- listen to the things that he and his wife are doing, not only for their own kids. I mean, think about their their son, who they're taking care of still. Think about those 12 little babies that went through their house at a time of need and then these, these two kids who have forever had their lives changed through their choice to adopt. What an amazing story. I trust you got a lot out of it. I did. And I trust that you get a lot out of our episodes. In fact, if you do, would you share them with somebody who you think would be interested in hearing these Dad Talk episodes or any episode that we're doing? Just share the episode with them. And then if you would rate us and review us wherever you're listening. We love five stars and we love your comments. You know, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of Positively Dad, and and I'm just blown away by the number of people who are listening. The numbers are bigger than they've ever been, and we know that we can reach so many more people. And all of our growth has been completely organic. It's from people like you who are sharing this message with other people. So thank you for doing that. And then if you'd follow us on your social media pages, we're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad, and you'll find us. And uh, we'd love to connect with you there. Finally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, reach out to me and let me know. James at PositivelyDad.com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Positively Dad. Bye-bye.